you're listening to the last session of the day with the therapy guys. So, so hi everyone. My name is Timothy Meyer. I'm a psychotherapist here at the uh, at, at the Wilkins Center here with Dr. Constantine Wilkin. Um, we are very excited about our first episode of our of, of this podcast, the, the the last session of the of the day with the therapy guys. Um, Constantine, how does it feel that we're we're, we're here doing episode one. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's pretty crazy, actually. I mean, I think uh, our practice is really coming together, and this is just an interesting extension of that. And I'm really looking forward to doing a lot of these. Yeah, I uh, well, you and I have been talking about this for I think over a year now, um, and we've been playing around with the idea. And I'm just I'm just happy that we're finally here, um, and 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 we're finally getting going. So um, super excited. So. So, so today, what we wanted to do for for our first episode, our, our pilot episode, uh, Constantine and I, we talk about this here and there. Um, we 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 wanted to give the listeners a little bit about, you know, like what what is therapy actually like? You know, I, I you know, we think that there are so many myths out there about therapy. You know, there there's sort of a lot of negative stigma about it, and so we wanted to 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 jump into a conversation here today to kind of from our point of view dispel some of these myths. So Constantine, do you want to myth number one? Sure. Yeah. Uh, A a common thing uh, that at least I hear, uh, I I guess out there talking to different people is that uh, there still is a sense that therapy is for crazy people. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I think we've gone a long way. And as you know, we have a couple of offices here in Northern New Jersey uh, and there's a lot of great initiatives about stigma-free, um, <clears throat> meaning the kind of getting rid of that idea that therapy should be a little bit more accessible, both financially and from kind of an emotional point of view. But I think overall, therapy has that connotation that uh, I have everyday issues and they're really not issues. And if I'm considering therapy, it's uh, it's uh, for people who are really distressed or really crazy. Yeah. You know, the, the amount of times that I've had someone come in you know, for, for, for a session or an intake and they say, you know, I really never thought I was going to be in this room, uh, and kind of exploring that a little bit. I said, well, well why? And they, they just say, well, you know, because like, I'm, I'm okay. Like, I'm not that bad. I'm not like, I'm not sick. I'm not crazy. <laughs> I say, I agree with you. You're, you're not. And that's okay because this is, you know, therapy is not for crazy people. And, you know, therapy is not just there's a very negative connotation where, where it really shouldn't exist. You know, um, so many people, unfortunately, I feel like don't end up coming to therapy because of that stigma and because of that myth, which is, uh, which is a shame. I very much agree. And, you know, it's funny. One thing that jumps to mind, I don't know if you hear this often. I, I, I hear it pretty often is that the, the, um, the person kind of jumps in and says like, yeah, I'm not sure why I'm complaining. I mean, there's so much negativity in the world. People are starving all over the world. And I'm here talking about X, Y, and Z concern that, that seems pretty small in comparison. Um, and it, and it's such an invalidate to me, such an invalidating statement to make, meaning like you're really suggesting that your concerns um, in your everyday life uh, is not worth exploring or not worth sort of talking about, which I think kind of invariably sends such a negative message to yourself. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, 100% and absolutely. And that sort of uh, belief that my problems aren't actually problems or, or I shouldn't be able to feel poorly in whatever way because someone else has it worse. Um, although I think on the surface level, it sounds positive, but uh, deep down inside, it's actually, it, I mean, that's actually a, a huge red flag that someone's not taking care of their emotions. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to jump into to, to my myth number two that I have here. Um, a, a big myth that, that I hear a lot is uh, th- everyone believes that therapy takes forever, right? Um, they say, oh, I, guess, you know, I, I don't know if I want to get going with this because I'm, I don't want to be in therapy for th- three, to, three to five years. Um, and, and well, what I say to that is, well, uh, good. And, and you shouldn't be, right? Um, <laughs> therapy, uh, you know, it, it, it really has changed over time. And, and constantly, I'm sure you're going to speak to this a whole lot more. But, you know, with, with evidence-based practices, um, really, the therapy is turning into a more short-term, more kind of goal-oriented um, approach, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. And it's not like you're going to be laying on a couch for, you know, half a decade. <laughs> right. I, I, I agree with you, you know, to your point about evidence-based treatments, it's just a fancy way of saying they've done some research at fancy hospitals and psychiatric facilities to get um, <clears throat> a couple of, you know, practices, psychological ideas that actually work, meaning that they've studied uh, that people who implement those coping strategies um, actually do better. I always say when people calling, as you know, I do a lot of screening calls and you probably can relate to this as well as you're mm-hmm. doing them as well. Um, a lot of people are saying, well, how long is it going to take? And that's a very common question. I think you can relate that we hear all the time. And, you know, doing this for a while now, I, I typically suggest, listen, this is not years and years in the making. If you're not seeing some improvement within three to four months, uh, there's a conversation to be had. It uh, doesn't mean that you end in three to four months. It just means that you really need to be get going on the right track, be it processing some difficult emotions, be it learning some coping strategies, be it figuring out how to be more effective communicator. There is that turning point where you say, like, hmm, is this not necessarily moving in the direction that we want? You don't have to wait for years. Mm-hmm. The most classic example of that, I remember this is years ago when I was doing my um my externship during the doctoral program, I remember this woman came in. I still remember her. This is, I don't know, close to 20 years ago. Uh, She said, I've been in psychoanalysis Mm -hmm. for 20 years. uh, And I know myself really, really well. And she goes, you know, you know, the one thing that comes to mind, I said, yeah, what is it? She goes, not a single thing changed in my life. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't mean to be laughing or chuckling because that's a little unfortunate there. But you know, yeah, that's great. You know, it sounds like that woman really got to know herself really, really well. But n- n- there was no action. There was no change. <laughs> it's like so, so great. And uh, what, what are we doing with this? You know, I, uh, I, I, I say this jokingly. You know, if in the beginning when I meet people, you know, I, I say to them, I say, you know, one day I hope I never see you again. And then they always like sort of laugh, uh, and I say not not because I'm not going to enjoy I, you know our time together, not because I don't like my job. I love my job and I love working with you, um, but I know that I did my job really well. If we get to a point where they say, you know, I, I don't think I need Tim anymore, and that's actually preferable. 
Um, obviously, there's a lot that goes into termination with a client, but um, I, I like to say that right in the beginning to kind of like nip that in the bud about, you know, people might think that they're going to have to see me forever. Yeah, yeah, ag- agreed very much. So if people are, you know, four to six months into it and things are not improving, there's a conversation to be had. Absolutely. To- totally, totally agreed. <sighs> Myth number three. Constantine, do you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. Uh, coming to therapy is considered a personal flaw or a weakness. Mm. Um, I think that is such a common view if I have to be able to figure it out on my own. And that, I mean, obviously, I think you and I are biased in that sense, granted that we're clinicians, but that still boggles my mind because people have no issues going to the gym and getting mm-hmm. a personal trainer. No issues. I have one. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just that people use uh, different professionals for so many different things in their life. Forget about medicine, just fine. Medicine, professional, you need to go to your physician. I get that. But people use that for all sorts of things. Mm. I think that's Something. a really good point, right? There's, there, there's, there's so much stigma like, oh, I need to go uh, speak with a professional to work on some sort of stress or anxiety or depression or, or difficulty that, you know, that I'm experiencing. There is such shame there and there, and, and there, and there's so much stigma and there's so much that just says, you know, like if you have to go and do that, then something's wrong with you and you're weak. Whereas, you know, if I, I like the analogy of the personal trainer or I was even thinking the dentist, it's like, yeah, I, I need to right. go and get my teeth cleaned and every now and then I have a cavity, right? It's not like I'm kicking myself for it or, or that I'm weak. Um, it's just that, well, this is how I need to take care of myself. Um, I think that's that's an absolute huge issue and, and a giant problem. We're really not very good at taking care of ourselves and we're often sort of punished for it, I think. And I think we punish ourselves for if we even need help. Um yeah, and, absolutely. And, you know, one thing that comes to mind um, is, is the idea that I, I kind of reflected on it. And, and I think what you and I are beginning to talk about makes a lot of sense. And I think hopefully some of the listeners can relate to it. I, I am, I am, however, thinking that there's a distinction, though, for a lot of people between the dentist or the personal trainer, because there's, and, you know, may, maybe this is a little bit of a of a kind of a psychological spin on it, but mm-hmm. there is a sense of identity that's mm-hmm. a little different. I feel, and it just seems to me that when you go to the dentist, it's like there's a you and then there's your teeth right. that it's okay to be able to get help with. Your physical body obviously is a big part of who you are, but we kind of have this idea that, well, yeah, you have to eat right if you want to be in shape. Yeah, you have to go exercise. Right? Like, there's less the idea of identification mm-hmm. of being able to do it on your own. It just seems to me that we as people identify so strongly with our thoughts and feelings, meaning we we see ourselves in it mm-hmm. so that when we have to go to like somebody like yourself and myself, that's to me, that's why it seems like a weakness, because there's a sense of identification that is so strong with those thoughts and feelings and being able to talk it through and to change them. And basically someone's going to tell me, here's a better way to be or a better way to kind of think about something just kind of hits a chord of like, Oh, so my thinking, which is invariably kind of me, is wrong, is defected, is not the right way to be. So I think there's something there to be able to talk through a little bit about that sense of ownership and identification that makes it harder 
to to consider therapy as one way you take care of yourself versus something like a dentist or um, or any other practitioner for that matter. Yeah, absolutely, and I I I think you're I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head there, right? Um, that 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 sense of uh, identity and sort of who I am, um, it's much different than thinking about you know like what we work on and do in therapy as opposed to other things, right? Like my teeth are my teeth. Oh, I didn't brush enough. Okay, I'll do it better next time. Whereas, you know. Um, if I have to sort of reevaluate the way that I approach the world and interact with the world and how I think and feel, then that's very <laughs> it's personal. Like a little, it's a little personal it's, and it's a little scary. And, um, <laughs> and unfortunately, um, I don't think that that's too normalized yet. Um, and, and, and my hope, I guess, is that conversations like this sort of, uh, sort of normalize that. Um, because I, absolutely I, and that's why i kind of always sorry i was just gonna mm-hmm. say that uh there's a and that's why in a way as much as i try to move away from uh labels and kind of disorders as a big focus mm. um on on the way i interact with the clients i work with i think there's still power in that that you could say that there's something that you're struggling with it's kind of like part ownership of you and also part of like hey listen we just know how people work. And if you have, let's say, a generalized anxiety issue, we worry about the different things. We know how we work as people, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it's just a common thing. That's why when you can give somebody a diagnosis, in a way, I find this uh, extremely common. Um, potentially, you find that as well, especially with like uh, uh, issues like obsessive compulsive disorder, mm-hmm. you know, OCD. It's so common when people get that diagnosis, there's a sense of relief mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they're not alone. Right, like that, they're able to like identify with something, and in a way, externalize it, but not in a blame kind of a way, but but externalize it so they can kind of actually get better. W- yeah. Which I think there's some power as well. I, I so I could probably speak to that point for like 20 years, but uh, <laughs> but, but you know, uh, I I think there's two sides of that coin with 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 diagnoses and labels, um, and certainly one side of that coin is right, but. You know, we literally have a book of these diagnoses, and that is because they're a very common thing. They they exist. There there obviously has to be uh, hundred uh, hundreds of thousands of other people dealing with the same exact thing. Hence, why there's literally a book about it and and a diagnosis and a and a and a treatment for it. Right. So. Um, I do think that that does help in taking away stigma and some of that shame. And um, takes away a little bit of, from from how close it gets to our identity. Uh, I I think that's a I think that's that that's a super important point. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm I'm going to move on it to does, my jump in. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go uh, jump in. Uh, there's maybe this is something they can edit out. There's a little bit of delay, I so I see you differently from what you're speaking. So it's a little, it's hard to kind of do that a little bit, but uh, you know, hopefully we'll kind of figure that out. Yeah. I don't know if this is a, like a Zencaster thing or a one of our Wi-Fi's thing. I don't know, but hopefully. Uh, how do you, how do you see me? Am I synchronized? Um, you're pretty synchronized, but you're a little off. You're like, okay. it's like maybe like a second of a delay or a lag. Um, so hopefully. Um, all right. So, um, okay. Next, next myth that's on my list here that I want to get to is 
um, credentials aren't everything. Um, I, I, I hear a lot and, um, you know, when folks are looking for a therapist, um, they say, oh, you know, th- they need to have this degree or, 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 or that degree. They need to be as a psychologist or a, or a, or a psychiatrist or, or something like that. Um, so just kind of just for, for a little bit of like a, like a PSA, um, there are many different uh, degrees that one can have in order to become a licensed psychotherapist in, in any given state, right? So they can be um, a licensed psychologist, like what Constantine is. Um, they can be a licensed clinical social worker, which is what I am. Uh, they could be a licensed professional counselor, so they can have their their, their degree in counseling. Um, they can have their uh, degree and license in marriage and family therapy. And Constantine, I'm missing any. Yeah, I mean, I there, there's also um, <clears throat> some programs, uh, doctor level programs that have an educational sort right. of component and focus there, uh, which also, uh, <clears throat> I think there's a, a master's program as well as a doctoral level program. So a lot of um, psychologists are also focused in education and they right. kind of take that to work with kids and adolescents. So, but to your point, there's a lot of different uh, licensing bodies and there's a mm-hmm. lot of different schools, but it's all under the umbrella of therapy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I get a lot of calls. Um, and you probably get a lot of calls as well, where people are asking about credentials, which mm-hmm. I, I think is a really great idea. Of course, you have to know who you're going to be able to see. But I but I do caution people to thinking that credentialing is everything. Right. Um, you know, an interesting fact that, uh, as you and I talked about before, that actually fit between the clinician and the client is really the number one predictor of how things go. That does not mean that it doesn't matter what kind of therapy happens, right? right? Like, right. but without a good fit, nothing really takes off the ground. Yeah. Um, and that is such a powerful idea. It, 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 it absolutely is. And, um, and you know, the, the first time that you hear that data and then the second time, and then the hundredth time it, it is like on, on one hand, it is surprising. And on the other hand, it isn't right. Um, you know, thinking that fit is the best uh, uh, p- predictor of an outcome. I'm like, okay, uh, great, but I don't know. Like, what about all that stuff that I learned in school and like this, this, this great therapy that I'm trained in, and and this and that. Um, that doesn't matter quite as much as as the fit, or you know, I spent well, whatever, all these years doing this and that, the other thing. Um, <laughs> but um, but right, so you know that myth of you know um, like credentials are everything. Um, it's actually not. And, and, and like you just said, Constantine, it's, it's fit. Um, so really the most important thing is, you know, in those first three, four, five, six sessions, you know, after sort of like the beginning phases are over, you know, I do check in with people and I say, so, so how, how do you think that you and I are doing, you know, and, and I really ask for a lot of honesty and I know that that could be very hard for someone to say, like if, if they, if they genuinely, let's say that, the fit isn't so great. Um, it's super important that people are able to, to talk about that. And um, well, and then you make a change because if it's not really the right fit, well, it is the number one most important thing. Not going to get anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's sort of, that. that's what we find as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think from, from a therapist's point of view, we have to, 
we have to remember that, you know, I'm not going to be able to help every single person who gets set in my way, right? I'm not going to be the right person. I'm not going to be the right guy for everyone. And that's fine. Um, I think sometimes therapists can get caught in the trap of uh, they feel like they have to help everyone or that they should be able to. And then therefore, I don't know, other feelings might come up from them when, uh, you know, when they notice that they might not be the right fit and then they might make kind of the wrong decision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like that that opens up a whole other conversation about burnout. And if you're feeling you're not clicking, Mm -hmm. is that really more taxing? And how's that really going to play out for the relationship? How's it going to play out for the client's benefit? There's all sorts of other things that hopefully you and I can cover in a different episode. But suffice it to say um, that fit is is a great predictor uh, of consistency. Uh, and you add that in with evidence-based treatment, something that obviously you and I are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. You get a fit and a person who knows what they're doing um, in terms of treatments that work. You really have a good potential there for any client that's interested in considering this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to switch gears over to our last myth, all right? Sure. And uh, sure. and this is one that, that, that we hear often. Um, kind of that, that, that belief that, you know, if we need couples counseling before we get married, then our relationship is just doomed. Uh, and now, Constantine, I know that you, you've, you've been doing a lot of really great work with couples lately. Um, so I, I want to hear your thoughts about this one. Yeah, that's uh, that's such a common one uh, <clears throat> that, that I hear that, oh, I'm not even sure if we should be doing this. You know, potentially we should call it quits because why are we, we're only like a year and a half or two years into the relationship. We're not even engaged or we're just engaged. And uh, it obviously uh, is a poor predictor of the relationship itself. Uh, and, and I guess what, what I say to that is, um, listen, the idea that you guys are willing to take a look at your dynamic mm-hmm. to see whether there are some changes that could be made to preserve the connection that you started out with. I think speaks to the idea that you're interested in this relationship being as effective for you both as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And just a quick reminder there, couples therapy isn't about making a relationship work. Mm -hmm. It's about first to see if the relationship could even potentially work. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not here to change people. We're not here to make one person do everything that the other person wants. This isn't like that. We all have our own boundaries. We have our sort of personhood, if you will, that is just who we are. And the, of course, there's obviously some changes that could be done in a relationship, some themes, some patterns, some dynamics that could be highlighted and potentially shifted over. Uh, <clears throat> so to me, it's, it's a significant strength of a couple mm. to be able to do that. Uh, before what most people at least did in in the past, and obviously some people still do to the day, they just kind of overlook it and just move with the momentum of getting married because like, hey, listen, we've been together for two, three, five, whatever years. It's just a natural next step. And they just kind of get lost in that because obviously everyone's busy, everyone's doing their own thing. So it kind of feels like the natural step. And then you have one, two, three kids, that's the natural step. And by the, by the time you wake up, you're like 10, 15 years into it. And like, um, I remember this whole like, one person's like, I don't even know who this person is. Yep. Yep. Yeah. In their relationship. You know, you, you, you saying that made me think of, uh, three, um, men that I'm seeing right now in, in such a very same sort of story. 
uh, fits fits that framework. And yeah, that's exactly what happened. And um, you know, at this point now, I've, all three of them are in their fifties. They're sort of uh, tuning into themselves and tuning into their emotions, which is great that it's finally happening. And I said, I said, you know, if I could change one thing, is is I would make this happen. You know, twenty to twenty or thirty years ago, right? Um, if if you were able to actually kind of tune into your emotions back then and 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 look at what what was going on with your then fiance at that time and and begin to get to work on these things, that would have been amazing. Um, and it probably would have led to really great results. However, you know, that myth of, you know, if we go to couples counseling before we get married, then, then we're doomed and, and we can never have that. It's well, actually the opposite, you know, they're, they're doomed now, you know, when they have to go through a divorce and all yeah. of that, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm also yeah. thinking, if there's if there's one part of our jobs where there's lots of myths, and I think there needs to be a lot of clarity, I think it's relationships and and, and couples work. You know, like what actually is couples work? What what is couples therapy? Oh, <laughs> right. Well, and as you know, Tim, we are we are going to have a um, a YouTube video about that with one of mm-hmm. our clinicians here uh, talking specifically about uh, one of them. <clears throat> You know, one of, I don't want to say one of the better ones, but the ones that's been shown to work mm-hmm. in treatment studies. And as you know, we kind of try to focus on evidence-based stuff called emotionally focused therapy. And just to kind of, I think just to kind of create some clarity for people, how that could actually look like, because I'm sure we could probably have another episode on just like, what do people expect? And how does that actually look like? There's just, just to me, such a significant uh, distinction between the two, because some people are really expecting a referee. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, I, I know that, that as a therapist, when I'm, uh, when I sit down with uh, a couple and they, and they start to put me in that spot r- right away as a, as like a referee or a, you know, uh, side with me or I'm right there wrong. Right. Sort of dynamic. Right, right. It's sort of just like, oh, no, <laughs> it's like this, this is not at all what you guys think it's going to be. Um, so so one, to your point, one thing that comes up is that some people uh, call in before, let's say, getting married, being a couple of years into it, they're expecting that, but they're actually pleasantly surprised, mm-hmm. even though sometimes it takes a little bit of pleasantly surprised that we're actually not saying you have to do what she says or you have to do what he says. This is really about seeing a dynamic and how you guys interact with each other and how you could potentially trigger each other and kind of notice some of the emotional needs that you might have that you would like your partner to meet. But it's just because you've been triggered, have a hard time actually effectively communicating. And they're actually pleasantly surprised that it isn't really about changing anybody. It's just knowing your partner on a much deeper level so you can actually attune to each other a little bit more. And people really respond well to that because they've actually just gotten a crash course, not only in themselves, but in their partner which allows them to show love for each other in much more effective ways. Yeah. And I think that that's the opposite of, oh my gosh, our relationship is doomed. No, you're, 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 you're paving a, a, a great road for a great future relationship. Right. Um, which is why I think that that, I think that that myth has to go out the window. Um, yeah, <laughs> very much. Very much agree. And, well, uh, <laughs> I was going to say more, but I'll, I guess I'll just leave it at that. So um, just just as a quick little recap, 
Um, you know, we're, we're here. This is episode number one. We're, we're, we're extremely happy to be here. Um, and so we, we just went over five myths that, that, that we hear about often. Um, myth number one is that therapy is for crazy or really sick people. Myth number two is that therapy takes ages and years and years and years. Myth number three is that uh, if you go to therapy, that means that you're weak. Uh, myth number four, uh, that uh, someone's credentials or, or a therapist credentials are everything. And myth number five, if we need couples counseling before we get married, our relationship is doomed. Um, so I really hope that this, you know, th- this, this conversation was both uh, interesting and insightful for some people. And, and I hope that, um, well, there's a little bit more clarity out there after, after our conversation. Um, Constantine, any, any final thoughts? I'm really also excited to get this conversation going and just kind of looking forward to future episodes as we, uh, you know, hopefully in a, in an informative, but informal matter, talk about being a therapist, um, here at the practice and just in general, some ideas that touch our hearts and touch hopefully, um, you know, some of the ideas that come to mind when we think about helping people. So I'm really looking forward to having a lot more of these. Absolutely. So, so thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this is the last session of the day podcast with uh, the therapy guys, Dr. Constantine Lukin and myself, Timothy Meyer. Um, thank you so much for, for tuning in and we'll, we'll see you next time. Absolutely. Take care, guys. This has been the last session of the day with the therapy guys. See you next time.